to hear what you have to say to us. Help us to focus back on Jesus this morning. Amen. Yeah. Wonderful these chairs are, aren't they? <laughs> um, so we're carrying on a series that Dave started last week, which is from the book of Revelation. And um, those of you who were here last week remember that the book of Revelation is the last book in the Bible. And um, we often think about it as being the book that talks about the end of the world, the, the, when Jesus comes back again, how everything in this world winds up and gets put right by God. But um, it starts off in the first few chapters with just some letters to some of the churches which were around in those days. And um, so the parts that we're actually concentrating on over the next few weeks... I'll do my front pockets instead. <laughs> um, over the ne next few weeks is... Um, is it my pockets or my jumper? Okay. Um, over the next few weeks is that um, we're looking at the letters to the individual churches. Do you want me to tell you? I'll try this one. Hopefully that's better. <laughs> um, Yes, so letters to the churches, that's where I was at. Um, and so today we're looking at the first letter um, that's written in Revelation chapter 2, which is a letter to the church in Ephesus. And um, as this letter is being written, it is, although it is John writing it, it is from God to that church. And when we look at the um, letter in Ephesians, we will... Um, it talks about how much, I realise I haven't got my Bible open on my phone. So I can read it to you. So just hold on a minute. Honestly, I am prepared. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty much there. It is Revelations chapter 2, and we're starting at verse 1. And it says here, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write these words. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know the deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them to be false. You have persevered and endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent. Do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from the place. But you have this in your favour. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, 
let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now there is, when we look at Revelations, there is a lot of picture language in it. Um, it's trying to take paint a picture to us. And there are some things in there that you might go, you what? What's all that about? Um, and I would encourage you actually to maybe ask those kind of questions if you're in a connect group or get together with people um, after today to um, unpack some of those things like what are the golden lampstands, for example, and things like that. Because we don't have a lot of time this morning and I want to concentrate on, on one particular part of this letter. So we saw how God had lots of good things to say to this church, how they had been persistent in doing good deeds, how they had worked hard, they had endured a hardship. But he just had this one thing that he was saying, you kind of slipped up a bit on this. I've got one thing against you. is that you don't kind of love me like you used to. And it's affecting the way you do things and what you do. We don't, we're not told why the Ephesians kind of lost their first love. Maybe it is because they had been doing a lot of good works. And, you know, there are a lot of people here who, who serve in many ways. And we all know that doing it can be hard work. And at times it's just like, <gasps> this is so tiring. So maybe they had, they had got caught up in, 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 in doing the good works, in keeping on pressing forward, enduring the hardship that was around them. And it kind of, they got caught maybe in a bit of a rut where it was just like, we just keep going, we just keep going, we just keep going, we just keep going. I know I feel like that at times. And somehow they had drifted away from the passion and the excitement of knowing Jesus and knowing what he had done for them. There's a verse in Hebrews that says how we must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. So what I want us to think about this morning is what can cause us to drift away? What? grabs our attention that maybe dampens that excitement and passion of knowing Jesus and those questions were going around my mind as I was preparing this and actually this preparation became really personal for me and um, the kind of things that I've got to talk about I'm not here telling you what you should do I'm here talking about what my problems are in some respect, and what I know dampens uh, the, my passion and excitement for Jesus myself. And then I just want us to look at three things that we can get caught up in doing. There quite possibly are others, but these are three things that I really felt that God wanted to bring to our attention. The first one is that we can get caught up in doing. We can give our attention to what we do, not who we are in God. Or what God has already done for us. And I wonder if this was the case with these Ephesians. They, they were doing lots of good works and they were concentrating on that. And when we do stuff and we get busy, it's so easy to forget about what God has done for us or who we are in him. We live in a world where 
we're busy all the time. There is pressure in this world we live in to, to keep on doing stuff, to be busy, to get here, to go there, to do that job. Then I've got to come home and then I've got to look after the kids. Then I've got to go up and go to work again. And I must just get that message or that phone call. And I've got to talk to that person. I need to look at my emails. And, 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 and there's this busyness. Um, I, I, I have lots of friends who are quite a bit younger than me. And I'm absolutely amazed at the pressures that they are under for work when they're working in the, in the secular world. It's so different from when I was their age. The length of their days they have to work and the attitude of not allowing people to be ill and have time off work and things like that. Everything is, is pressure to do more. And yet that is contrary to what the Bible says and contrary to where we are as Christians, where in Psalm 46 it says, be still. Be still. How easy do we find it to be still? Even if our bodies are still, often in here it's still going like a crazy chicken running around its enclosure. And it says, be still and know that I am God. And there is something about being still, still in our bodies, still in our minds, that helps us to connect to God. And when we connect to God, it is easier to remember how much he loves us and how much we love him. We can get caught up in fear where we can give our attention to our fears. Now, as I was thinking of this, I was thinking, actually, there's, there's more than one kind of fear. There's, I mean, there's the phobias, you know. Who here would say they have a phobia of spiders, for example? I know lots of people have got that. Um, there's that kind of fear. But there's also the kind of, if you like, what I classed as a sudden fear. Um, it, can be a, it can be a fun thing when you're on a fairground ride and it suddenly goes, you're scared, but kind of it's a good scared. But there can also be the, the sudden fear. I can't imagine what it must be like to be in a, a car accident or, or a fire or something like that and how the adrenaline and the fear must build up. But... I actually want to talk about a different kind of fear, which I think probably most of us here have experienced. I've called it a quiet, creeping fear. It's not a sudden thing that, that pours itself out on us with lots of loud noise and immediate danger. It's quiet, and it kind of just creeps up behind us. It can, it can get hold of us when we look around at our circumstances, um, look around at the world we live in and we go, fear creeps up and says, so I know you think God is speaking to you, but are you sure about that? Are you really sure you're meant to serve on that team or talk to that person? What if you go and talk to them and they are mean to you or ignore you? That can be almost worse. Yeah, well, God is saying to give in to that situation. But, well, can you really afford it? Maybe do it later. Well, there's that mission trip that keeps on seeming to coming up on your email and you get that stirring in your heart. But, well, fear creeps up and says, is it really for you? 
I mean, it's a big commitment. What about my job? What about my family? Fear always seems to say, wait. Wait until they ask you to be on the team. Wait until that person comes and talks to you. Wait for a better time. Wait until you've got more money. Wait until work is sorted out. Wait until you're older. Wait until you're... you're Leave it to somebody younger. Wait for a better time. You have more energy or you have more time or you have more money. Just, just wait. And in the waiting, as fear creeps up on us, we forget what it says in the Bible, in Philippians, that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. It causes us to question God. To even question whether he wants to use us or he could use us could god really use me what if i get it wrong what if i just wait i'll wait and it can be like a i was gonna say a prison but i'm not sure if it's as obvious as that it's just like hooks that drag us back all the time and yet in 2 corinthians 13 it says this is one of my favorite verses now, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If today you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you can be free. Free from any creeping fear or anything else. But then the last one I just want to think about is we can get caught up in our wants. Oh, that's so easy, isn't it? We give our attention to what feels good now. Now, there are some things that feel good that we have to delay, you know. But we give our attention to what feels good now. Our screen time, money, or spending it, <laughs> food. We put up off so much of what has lasting value because of this. I think many of you here would agree that the Bible is the word of God and we need to read it and study it and let it go inside and sink inside of us. That it is active and sharp and brings life. That if we read our Bible and meditate on it, it will bring truth to our hearts. It will renew our minds. It will put us on a firm foundation that cannot be shaken. I know I believe that with all my heart. And yet yesterday morning, when I was preparing for this, I had my phone, because my Bible is on my phone, and I looked up because I was thinking in my mind, and I looked down, and somehow on my phone, I was on Pinterest looking at birthday cakes for my grandson. And, and what is instant in the moment can take over from what we know is, is right and, and has lasting good, uh, good for us. I know, and I know many of you agree with me, that there's the verse in Deuteronomy that says, the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. God is our refuge. That means he is our safe place. When everything in the world is going wrong, we can run to him. His everlasting arms will never let us down, will never drop us, will always embrace us and comfort us, no matter what we've done, where we've been, or how many times we've made that same mistake. And yet, when I can't sleep at night, or in the quietness of a, a house on my own, I find 
my refuge in the chocolate and the crisps and maybe a computer game and I'm back there again. We know that God will generously provide all that we need. It says in 2 Corinthians, he will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And yet, there's my credit card. Well, maybe. I mean, I could just put it on the credit card because, because, well, I quite like it now. And maybe God won't. Maybe. And even in the times I spend with God, sometimes I can be aware it's so me-centred. I'm spending time with God because I need to preach or because I have this problem or because I need God to sort that person out because they're being a real pain. And I know God can sort people out, but actually what I'm... What, what subtly comes in is, I want God to sort them out because it will make my life easier. And I forget. I forget from where I've come from. I forget that God took this lying, drinking, partying girl who knew God's love from the moment she was born and yet threw it in his face again and again and again and again and walked away from it. I forget that he kept running after me and chasing me with his love and his grace and his mercy. And even when I ran away, even when I told him to go away, he kept on chasing me and running after me. I forget that without him I am nothing. If you see anything good in me, it is not because of me, it's because of Jesus. Because of what he has done in my life. That he has set me free. That he is my truth, my security, my freedom. Because of Jesus, I am redeemed, restored, forgiven. The chains that held me have been broken. I'm secure, I'm accepted, I'm forgiven. And all that I am and all that is good... And all that I'm able to do is because of him and only because of him. And I think when we all, I think that's my story in a nutshell. I know each one of you here has got a different story. And when we start taking our focus and giving our attention to what the busyness of life and what needs doing to the fear that follows us, to what we want now at this moment and start remembering how Jesus has rescued us, what he has done for us. And we start to think on him and his peace and his pardon and his forgiveness and have at least a starting desire to, to want to pray because just because I want to talk to Jesus. Even if you don't answer any of my prayers, I just want to talk to you because I love you. When we want to get in the Bible, because if I don't hear from God through that printed word in the Bible, I'm going to die of hunger. Because that's what it says. It, is, it, it, it feeds our spirits. And can we? I've just got Simon to come back and the band. 
And I'm going to move this out of the way. I just want to remember what that, that in, the, in Revelation it said, remember how far you have fallen from your first love. Now I know we're all in different places here. And just as the, the band comes back, I just want everybody to close your eyes. We do this with kids' church. The kids' church should know how to do this really well. We're going to listen to God. Um, close your eyes. Get comfortable. We close our eyes not because there's anything really spiritual about doing that, just because it's so much easier not to get distracted. And we're just going to have a few minutes quiet. And in the choir, I want you to ask Jesus, where is it that I don't love you like I used to? That my heart's gone a bit cold. Up the front on this table you will have seen there's a, a little box of love hearts. And on these love hearts, one side, they're kind of reddish. It represents our hearts being full and on fire for Jesus. On the other side, they're blue, representing when our hearts get a bit cold. And we forget. And as the band plays, and we might have a song, but just as the band plays, if you know that God is speaking to you about needing to remember and fall in love with him again, I want you to come up and get a love heart. There is nothing special about them, but they're a visual reminder that you can take away you can look at the blue side and go, what is it that makes my heart go cold? And remember that you want to be on fire for Jesus. This is a kind of prophetic act. We've talked a bit over the past few weeks about it being prophetic. And this is, this is not just coming to get one because somebody's coloured them in or because I've said it or because they're there. It's coming to make a declaration that Jesus, I don't want to be cold-hearted anymore. I want to fall in love with you again. So if you're in that place, then as the band plays, come and get one.